Every now and then, I meet someone who's changing the world for the better by their sheer will alone. Whether they're authors, activists, or adventurous, these people are blazing a path with their deep enthusiasm and allowing the world to follow. Their passion is strong, and my passion is to tell their stories. I am Brian Platt, and this is Passion Project. All right, well, welcome, Mike. I really appreciate this. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be on your podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So, do you want to um, do you want to first off introduce yourself and, and talk about what um, you know your organization, National Wildlife Federation, does? Sure thing. My name is Mike Leahy. I am the director of wildlife hunting and fishing policy for the National Wildlife Federation which is the nation's largest wildlife conservation organization. We count over 6 million members and supporters. Uh, We are a Big Ten organization. Uh, Pretty much anybody who has an interest in wildlife and cares about wildlife and conservation has a place in our organization. And we represent everyone from bird watchers and gardeners to hunters and anglers and foresters and every one in between and we are a federation of over 50 state and territorial affiliates so in nearly every state and territory we have a conservation group that is our official partner in that state and then a lot of those groups have their own affiliates within the state uh, some of our affiliate Affiliates have over 100,000 members and all sorts of local organizations, local rod and gun clubs or local environmental groups. And so um, our affiliates get together uh, once or twice a year, barring this uh, COVID-19 pandemic, in which case it was done virtually, but they set our Uh, policy. They pass resolutions. We discuss all of these conservation issues with them and prioritize. And then out of that, we figure out our agenda for how to conserve wildlife in the United States and beyond and address uh, issues like environmental justice and pollution and wildlife recovery. Yeah. And um, you kind of touched upon it, but I like how has how has your work changed since COVID and what kind of things are you, what kind of things are you working on currently? Uh, the work has changed just in how we go about it, but it has not let up to their credit. Congress has been incredibly active in, ever since the pandemic started. There were a few weeks where everybody was a little confused and adjusting to yeah. The new reality and working from home and doing Zoom calls. But, you know, I think uh, so. I work on federal policy in the District of Columbia. I work on, I shouldn't say just federal policy, but national policy. But a lot of it is federal policy in the District of Columbia. And so um, I think in terms of that, and a lot of people think Congress doesn't really do anything, and sometimes they do get all bottled up. But Uh, They really put in a lot of time and effort and a lot of staff put in incredible amounts of time and effort. And so they've really been active and busy ever since the pandemic. So I think some of us thought things might uh, ease up and we might have a little free time on our hands, but that has not been the case at all. It's been, I'd say, more busy than usual even. 
Well, that's good to hear. What kind of things uh, have you been working on and has Congress been working on and what kind of things you know are you currently uh, working on now? The issues that I am always working on in our wildlife policy team are recovery of species and populations, wildlife populations, by state wildlife agencies, federal wildlife agencies, uh, the Endangered Species Act, individual species recovery like the red wolf, the woodland caribou, the black-footed ferret, salmon in the Pacific Northwest, Florida panthers, any number of species uh, that we uh, put a little extra effort into trying to keep around. Uh, we work on threats to wildlife, like threats from wildlife disease, which we're going to talk about, threats from lead pollution and lead ammunition, uh, threats from invasive species. And we work on wildlife habitat and core wildlife habitats like public lands and improving wildlife habitat on private lands, but then we also work on connecting habitats and have a big emphasis on making sure wildlife can continue to move around the country as it gets more and more fragmented and populated and developed and, you know, trying to provide for connectivity and wildlife movements and migrations yeah. in all of this. And so a lot of the recent work has been uh, Congress has been, you know, looking at economic stimulus in response to the economic impacts of the pandemic, and then has been working a lot on uh, the transportation and infrastructure of this nation. And so, all both of those have wildlife aspects to them, including wildlife disease and wildlife corridors and crossings. And so, that's been a big focus of our work recently. Yeah, and speaking of which, there's a big, there's a big hearing tomorrow, right? On uh, just that, on wildlife disease and zoonotic diseases. That's correct. The Senate Environment and Public Works Committee is holding a hearing on wildlife disease and wildlife trafficking, and uh, Congress has really taken this issue seriously. And so, from the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, they wanted to address the pandemic itself, the economic impacts, the human impacts. But as we and other groups have talked to Republicans and Democrats in both the House and the Senate, we have had a lot of uh, open ears and interest in the idea of strengthening the United States' ability to identify and address and respond to wildlife disease particularly, of course, because of the zoonotic aspect of them, which is the um, potential for wildlife diseases to be transferred to humans. And um, that was is believed to be the source of the coronavirus. And actually, uh, over half of infectious diseases in humans have been transferred from animals to humans. So it's a huge issue. Uh, and so Congress has been interested in addressing both the international and the domestic side of that. So there's things we can do internationally, uh, the USAID program working with through diplomacy and other programs to uh, help other countries reduce the risk and identify live animal markets where the risk of transmission is particularly great. Uh, and there's been a lot of attention and focus on that 
but we have been really promoting bolstering our domestic response to wildlife disease as well. And um, so the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee is is looking into this, uh, wildlife disease and wildlife trafficking. And so this is a Republican-led committee. They've done some great work recently. The chairman is Senator Brasso, a Republican from Wyoming, and the ranking member is Senator Carper, a Democrat from Delaware. And they have uh, gotten together and passed some great language funding wildlife crossings, for example, over and under highways so wildlife and fish can continue to move around. Mm-hmm. And so this is another example where they're taking a bipartisan look. They're putting politics aside. They seem to be very serious about finding some solutions and ways Congress could help address wildlife disease and the risk of transmission to humans and the whole apparatus for responding to wildlife. And the wildlife crossing is probably for reducing roadkill, something like that, that would stop, help stop disease transmittal. Uh, That's correct. That was not specific to disease, Mm -hmm. that issue that was more about uh, reducing roadkill, preventing wildlife vehicle collisions, which are, you know, a loss of source of the loss of human life, loss of a lot of animal life, uh, big cost as far as, you know, accidents, wildlife vehicle collisions, but then also a big disruption for wildlife movements and migrations. There's a disease aspect of that, but the real motivating factor there is reducing collisions and making sure wildlife can get to where they need to go. Gotcha. So what has been proposed and, you know, what is being proposed tomorrow that directly relates to uh, coronavirus, whether it's domestically or internationally, um, that you like people to know about? Uh, I don't know which specific ideas will be proposed or talked about at the hearing tomorrow, but uh, just going over to the U.S. House of Representatives, they have done a nice job with uh, proposing and passing some wildlife Uh, some policies to address wildlife disease. So just starting there is kind of a good starting point for some of the discussions in the Senate. Um, The House has proposed modernizing the Lacey Act. The Lacey Act is one of our historic conservation laws, and um, it is the House has proposed amending it so it can do a better job of addressing diseases so you can you could, under the House's language of the Lacey Act, uh, emergency list a species as injurious. So that's the term that allows some regulation of species if it's determined to be injurious, and it would reinstate protections against transporting injurious species between states uh, and as opposed to just from other countries into the United States. Um, the House has... Uh, proposed and passed language uh, establishing a national wildlife disease database and funding U.S. wildlife agencies to work on uh, wildlife diseases, to fund the Fish and Wildlife Service, to provide grants to states and territories and tribes. They're really on the front lines in a lot of cases of dealing with wildlife diseases. And so getting funding on the ground to wildlife biologists for the states and tribes that are working on wildlife disease. Um, uh, So there's some really good 
language coming out of the house there's more we can talk about if you're interested but it sets up a really productive conversation in the senate uh, so they have some really strong witnesses i feel like uh, they have dr jonathan epstein who is the vice president with eco health alliance which is a group that's really uh focused on addressing wildlife disease worldwide. They have Dan Ash with American Zoos and Aquariums, who's a former director of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Uh, I feel like sometimes you can tell, maybe most of the time, you can tell the nature and tenor of an upcoming hearing and how seriously the committee's taking it by the witnesses. And um, the Senate has really credible witnesses across the board. Catherine Sensor with the Property and Environment Research Center, in Bozeman. So it looks to be a good hearing. There's a lot of good ideas on the table. I just don't quite know where they will go with all of those ideas. Yeah. Yeah. That's the tough thing. So how is a, just backing up, how is the species determined injurious? Um, and then what you're saying is, you know, in addition to having regulations of them being imported to the United States, there's going to be regulations of them being, uh, you know, I guess transported between states as well. Uh, that's correct. There, that protection used to be in place. If there was a species deemed injurious, it would, uh, it could not be transmitted among states. There was a lawsuit brought uh, by some in the pet industry that were that didn't agree with that, and so basically, because of some poor drafting for, from many years ago that protection against transporting injurious species between states was eliminated relatively recently. So that might have been a salamander, for example, that would have gotcha. um, a fungus on it, you know, that uh, we don't, you know, maybe it's in Florida and we don't want that fungus getting to West Virginia or something like that. Um, so that protection was lifted through a lawsuit. And so I think there's a lot of support for reinstating that protection. Um but then the, the broadening of the Lisi Act would uh, be to uh, allow it to address, uh, you know, wildlife diseases. And so there's, there's really few restrictions on live animal importation into the United States. You might be surprised that, you know, that given the risk they, they potentially pose as far as diseases and invasive species impacts, there's... Uh, there's not a lot of restrictions on live animals coming into the U.S. And so um, the idea here is that you would streamline the regulations so that they can be done more quickly, but uh, broaden the opportunity for the uh, Fish and Wildlife Service to designate injurious species, including on an emergency basis, and then take action to prevent those injurious species from either entering the country or uh, being moved around the country. Yeah, I was reading, I think it was on your site, or, or at least a, a statement released by your organization that the United States is the biggest, internationally has the biggest demand for um, wildlife trade um, in aggregate. What kind of things do you see, you know, coming in or do you hear about coming in and, and what, like, what are the regulations on those? Like, you know, you were talking about the Lacey Act, but it doesn't seem like it's, you know, maybe it's um, not as, as enforced as it should be, as it sounds like. 
Yeah, I think the bigger problem is that it is a time-consuming and inefficient process. It's an old law uh, written around the turn of the last century, uh, and so it just it needs some updating. You know, it's a good law, strong law. It was, uh, and a lot of the focus of the law has been on uh, game laws and um, poaching, and you know, the states could work together and prevent. Uh, wildlife that is poached, for example, in one state from being transported across uh, borders into another state. And um, so it's a really good, important law. It just needs to be updated and broadened to do a better job of addressing modern risks like the spread of wildlife disease. And um, so, yeah, there's, you know, you wouldn't necessarily think that the U.S. had as much wildlife trafficking as we do um, a lot of it is legal uh, there's certainly illegal trafficking as well but the Lacey Act is one tool to address that gotcha would Lacey Act um, what did it address like shark fins would it address or you know or does it address shark fins or, or rhino horns or things that you know potentially are hot button issues with people I actually don't know about those two specific examples I can look into them and get back to you on that. Oh, no worries. Yeah, I was just seeing like the, the I guess, the, the depth of it and the breadth of it. Uh, well, think amphibians, like I mentioned before, with fungus. Think uh, poached wildlife. Uh, think invasive species. Um, you know, you, there's we've had a huge influx of invasive species that are causing all sorts of problems in the U.S. Well-known examples are the snakehead, fish, right. um, the uh, Asian carp, uh, catfish, blue catfish. And, you know, some of these are in the mid-Atlantic, the Great Lakes, the southeast. And then sometimes species bring in diseases that native species are not uh, able to respond to and handle very well. And so that becomes another big problem. Gotcha. Yeah. So what are the, um, you know, you've talked a little bit about what you're proposing. What are the costs of the proposal or, or where, like, how is that going to play in the factor? Uh, the costs could be wide ranging. So uh, some of these costs would not necessarily be that significant for Congress. Um, you know, uh, $12 million to the Bureau of Indian Affairs Invasive Species Program, for example, which has a wildlife disease compo component, or uh, $21 million to support wildlife-borne disease prevention, uh, or we've recommended an additional $10 million to the Fish and Wildlife Service for collaborative wildlife disease work. So there's some smaller components, but uh, a whole bunch of house Democrats have proposed some big investments like $750 million in uh, broadly addressing wildlife disease, including uh, one of our priorities, which is to establish a nation, nationwide network of wildlife disease cooperatives. We have a couple regional cooperatives in the southeast and the northeast that were started by the state wildlife agencies. And we think it's a really strong model and want to see that expanded to the rest of the country, the Midwest, the West, the Southwest, and um, and then better funded. So 
uh, it's a range of potential costs, but uh, you know, as far as the domestic response, uh, uh, maybe on the upper end around $750 million, which in the context of the trillions of dollars that Congress is looking at to respond to the coronavirus <laughs> yeah. pandemic, it's drop in the bucket, but an important drop in the bucket. Well, perfect. Well, what is something that someone can do uh, to help, whether it's just in regards to the hearing tomorrow or, uh, you know, holistically helping the National Wildlife Federation and their missions? With regards to the hearing tomorrow, anybody reaching out to uh, particularly their senators, U.S. senators, uh, specifically senators on the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee, and that membership list is on the website. You can just Google it. Um, but any senator generally, it would be great if they're hearing from constituents that we appreciate your interest in responding to the pandemic and the economic crisis, and we think you should, as a part of that, put some effort and funding into addressing wildlife diseases domestically and internationally so that we can reduce the risk of these outbreaks in the future and improve our ability to respond to them. Uh, so that's one thing, uh, reaching out to your representative or and senator, senators, excuse me, uh, in support of the Recovering America's Wildlife Act would be another great thing. I say we already have over 180 co-sponsors in the House, but we'd like to get that number up above 200 uh, and keep that ball rolling. And then uh, we need more support in the Senate for that concept. So that would be another great thing. And then you can find the National Wildlife Federation on the web, nwf.org. And we're, of course, on all the different social media sites. And you could... Um, look at what we do we are always happy uh, to have more members we'd love to have people join national wildlife federation or our affiliates our list of state affiliates is on our website as well and so people could look up their state organization that is a member of the wildlife federation and think about joining them and those are groups like the montana wildlife federation the georgia wildlife federation the um New Hampshire Audubon Society is one of our affiliates, so a wide range of affiliates throughout the U.S. Nice. Awesome. Um, well, perfect. Well, what I'll do is I'll go ahead and you know promote this uh, and then put this uh, put those links in the show notes tomorrow so people can um, you know help out. That's great. Brian, I appreciate the opportunity to be on your podcast and talk about these important issues. Thanks for joining. If you liked that episode, feel free to rate view and subscribe. That actually really helps. If you haven't seen it yet, take a look at the accompanying blog, don'tforgetyourboots.com, where you can read more and see photos for all the interviews. Until next time. Take care.